So now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective. The mRNA vaccine, highly effective, extraordinarily efficacious, 94 to 95% for mild to moderate disease and virtually 100% efficacious. Because the real world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial. biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. A very short focus show today, and it will actually be less than two hours, and I do mean that today because we're going to be focusing on just one topic. I was not going to be getting, oh, I take that back, two topics because of something we'll discuss at the end that's just very relevant to exactly what we're going over, which is the data. But we're going to focus on the pandemic of the injected, as we tend to do when we get the new reports from Scotland and UK, and today is the new Scotland report. And you won't be surprised by what you're seeing. Now, the, the interesting parts about the data that we keep seeing, and it's been this way for months now that the majority of the problems are very clearly and have consistently been on the side of the injected, right? But now they're playing this game as we've continued to see, and they've been doing it the whole time, right? No, it's not one. One doesn't really count. It's two. And when you get two, then you're, then you can compare it to unvaccinated. 
Well, then we get there and now we're on another variant, another shot, another thing. And now the two shots are like not even count two, two shots. What are you talking about? It's only the third where it really counts. Right. And they just keep moving the goalposts as we've seen the entire time. Now we keep, we're seeing this happen right now in regard to the booster. There's a lot of factors involved in this conversation in regard to the information being kicked down the 14 to 21 day period that they don't count each shot. Those are getting kicked down to the lower category. We've talked about that. But we've seen this whole illusion from the very beginning and how they've been playing this game. Now, in regard to the data itself, we have to remember the majority is one thing, right? We have the majority of the problem, but to the, to the idea of the risk and why that's relevant, and it is a relevant point regardless who brings it up, but you have to understand what it means and why it's not all what they say are all one way or another, but the risk itself is about the category, right? We have to remember that to their point, if there's, let's say 90% of the population vaccinated, injected, well, then it's not fair to compare the 10% to the 90% because it will look like there's more in that population. But then the idea, if you take that at face value, would seem to suggest the risk is kind of just generally the same. But of course, now it's not what they're saying. They want to say, well, no, no, you're going to have a higher proportion than, than you would might expect because there's so many people injected in the cat and some people just might have problems or well, you know, on and on and on. Okay. And that might even make sense until we start to see the majority when it's not just a, a high proportion of it, you know, 10, 20% because there's 90 of the percent population vaccinated, but no, you see 80% of the grouping, 90% of the grouping. That doesn't seem to make sense to me, but they say it does. Okay. Well, let's just pretend that makes sense. But then they point to the risk and they say, but that's where it really matters because the risk per 100,000 breaking down the 90% versus the 10% and giving them their risk in that category. But then what happens when the risk starts being higher, right? We start going, wait a minute. Now the risk is much higher in the two dose category, the one dose category. How does that make any sense? Well, the third one now makes sense, but it was happening before the third booster dose came into play. And there's plenty of places that still count two doses as fully injected. As of, as of, I think, the end of last month, Scotland did, in fact, switch to three doses being fully injected. And we've been updating you on that, sh- that kind of quasi-change, what really has been stated, but it hasn't actually happened. As far as I can tell, they are now officially stating that three shots is fully injected in Scotland. So we have to factor that into the way they play this game. But we're going to go into this data today, as we have before, and break it down for you in every single category and show you why it's so important that the majority is in these categories, and that is important, but also that the risk per 100,000 is higher in every category other than the boosted category. And then I'll go in to show you why I think that is and the data to back it up. Now, even if it's showing it, the data, even if everything points to the picture that the booster shot was lower in general, it still does not paint the picture that anything they ever said is in fact working, especially since we haven't gotten past a time frame where we can see if this thing is going to collapse just like the other ones did. And in fact, just like the science has continued to tell you that it will pretty clearly. So even before we get there, they're going, no, 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 it works. Look, look at the booster shot. As, as Biden has said, just the booster, you're 97%, uh, uh, you have a higher, 97% higher chance of dying if you don't have the booster or whatever he framed it as. But that's really dishonest to just pick out that one part, hide the fact that a lot of people have to go through one, two to get to three. And there's a higher risk in that month and a half period or however long that takes. It's, it's, all of this matters. And they're desperate to hide it from you. Now, I can almost promise you that this, if, if and when it goes the way that I believe it will, what's going to ultimately happen is there's going to be another metric that gets pushed out, another variant or another booster, and then you just point to that one instead and go, no, I know three looks terrible, but three doesn't matter anymore. We're talking about four. You know, at some point, you have to stand back and ask yourself, I can't get this in the right place, why in the world that's not so obvious to everybody else? That the fact that they promised one thing 
That's why I played that clip in the beginning, in fact, to show you how it's continued to change. One dose, two dose, and that's all you're going to need. Now three dose, three won't be mandatory. Now three's part of it and everything. Mass work, now they don't. Lab leak, now it's not. I mean, it's, it's constant. It, none of it actually makes sense because the most important thing you need to understand is nothing has actually changed in regard to those narratives. The data has always been there. The only thing shifted has been narrative. And that's very, very clear. The mask thing is the most frustrating as they're now having go. And I think I have a couple points just to re- briefly show you that they're saying, well, now we just kind of roll back mass inside too, but only for some places. But why exactly? That's great. And none of them should be happening. But why? Why now? What shifted over yesterday to today that you've decided to pull that back? And if there's nothing, then you should be put in jail because you don't just get to arbitrarily do this based on the fact that we see your lie. And then because you take it away, we go, thank you. No, you stole from us. You destroyed lives with this lie and nothing changes. So either you saw something new and it changed your mind and you need to admit that you were wrong or something new came out that changed the science all of a sudden and you change. None of those things are happening. We know that. So we have to watch this rollback, and as, as plenty in this chat are saying, and very skeptically, very stay vigilant to what they're trying to change. Now, to start off, I want to get into some humorous, just well, actually just one point that'll hopefully make you laugh because of how utterly ridiculous this is. Got to be easily the stupidest thing I've seen in the entire part. Well, I don't know. That's hard to say. There's been some pretty dumb things that have happened throughout all this COVID madness being pushed forward by your government. This is up there. Daily Mail Online, putting ladies' tights over your face makes it better at stopping spread of COVID, study finds. Now, what's really dumb to me about that, and that's probably just a quick typo on Twitter, that seems to suggest that putting tights on your face makes your face better at stopping COVID, <laughs> you know, because language means something. And it's funny that they, you know, the, the mainstream media, you know, just take, not, not that people can't make mistakes, but what you should take from that is how cavalier they are with their words. That's important. Because it's not really about what it means. It's really about just selling you on a narrative. And that's just something something to take away from that little, I guess, typo or uh, omission. (laughs) Putting ladies' tights over your face makes it better at stopping COVID. What they mean to say is the mask. The mask that you're wrapping around with pantyhose underneath is supposed to be better now because you have pantyhose on your face. Now, why is because it makes it tight against your face. But how about we stand back and realize that whether you have it literally duct taped with a thousand rolls around your head, it's, well, I take that back. Whether you... (laughs) The point is, if you're using something like this, especially unless it is literally taped, I should use that point, unless you're literally taping it all the way around your face, it's still not changing the fact that the material is not statistically significant at stopping transmission. The point I just made there is essentially that if you were to tape your face, the tape is what's stopping things, not the mask underneath the tape, right? The idea is that these things don't have statistically significant effect on the things we're talking about. I've made that clear from the very beginning. I'm not going to go into it today because I've... You know, we've been dying on this hill from the beginning, and it's just so frustratingly obviously debunked from day one. And now they're even rolling it back. So it's just like a slam dunk, but people haven't seen that yet. So they don't know that. Give them all the work we did from there before, not anybody. Del, Del, Del Big Tree from High Wire, a lot of people have been railing against this. But this just is utterly ridiculous. Putting pantyhose on your head makes face masks safer. Study finds. I mean, it's not, this isn't science. I mean, what they're essentially saying, I mean, we, this isn't even, why did you need to do a study to, to, to point to the reality that, that they've been telling you that if this thing is tighter on your face, it's more effective at whatever it's supposed to do, but that's not stop transmission. So you understand that. So let's do an entire study that finds that if we put things on our face, it makes this thing tighter to your face. That's some great science guys. Well done. 
No, what it's really about is just going through the motions so you get more funding because everyone's going to go CC masks work because of whatever. You know, if you squint real hard and stand on one leg, it'll work just right. That's essentially what they're doing. And it just continues to be ridiculous because of how none of them have that effect. And I just can't get past how ridiculous it is, especially as they are all walking this back. Okay, of course, what they're really doing is going, but N95s, but don't forget, guys, cloth mask, the one thing they're telling you now doesn't work was the only thing they were telling you to use for the majority of this time frame. Don't I've only sh I've shown you the way back machines. The the CDC page was literally all cloth masks. They were saying cloth masks and how to use them. And here's what you should do. And here's why they work. So are you are you trying to tell us that the CDC didn't know this data or they just randomly figured it out because Lena Wen and Gottlieb said it on TV? They were lying to you. Now, whether that's because they were trying to make you feel better, which is ridiculous if you think that makes sense. I'm not saying they wouldn't do it, but because that means they're lying to you and that makes you feel better. Or the fact that they were trying to lie to you to make sure there was more masks available. None of that matters. It's dishonesty. And by the way, those aren't actually why they were doing it. And that's very clear based on how this has all evolved. Anyway, it's frustrating. Here's the article, Daily Mail. Putting ladies' pantyhose over your face mask makes it better at stopping the spread of COVID study finds. Really showing you that, you know, not all science is created equal, which is what this whole thing has really shown you. And you should have, you probably knew that from before if you were on this side of the argument anyway, because you were being objective and you already knew that. But it says Cambridge University, <laughs> Cambridge University doing this. Good God. Researchers tested seven hacks to improve fit of mass. So there's other things, tape and yarn and glue. And I'm making that up. But the point is, whatever else they're telling you, it's all stupid because it doesn't matter. It's still not going to do anything unless you're literally circum, uh, I guess, circumventing the mask and its material for an entirely other material, which is like using duct tape over the entire surface, which means the mask doesn't even need to be there. Right? This becomes utterly absurd. Making comfortable fit improvement products remains critical issue. So they're not really getting into the science. They're getting into the idea that they pretend that the science is established. Therefore, here's what we're going to dive into. Let's attack the idea of the spaces aside the mask and scientifically prove how we can make that space go away. And then because we've assumed that the science is settled in the mask, that being done proves that this makes it better. You see how dumb that is? That's science today. Cambridge University, in fact, good, it, this, it's not, I shouldn't say it like that. This is not the scientific method. This is how the scientific world has been completely bastardized by the governments that are controlling it, the, in, the powers that are manipulating it, but the end people like the Fauci's of the world, disease experts that are engineering these things in the direction of their own expertise, if you will, the, the way that they frame it. As I said, peak COVID clown world. We show you endless peer-reviewed science that shows masks of any kind are not now, nor have they ever been statistically significant in stopping transmission. They tell you that simply adding pantyhose makes it work, though. <laughs> Hashtag science. Good stuff. On top of that, here is in uh, New York, and what's her name now? Kathy, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul. New York mask mandate to expire. But not in schools, because that's scientific, right? So we're going to not do it. Even though you continue to tell us we're all in the biggest pandemic of a century and this is masks have been working and they're only thing that has been working. And now just no, we're not going to do them now, though, because you guys see what we're doing and we're going to roll it back. But schools, though, because kids are gross. And I don't know. I mean, what in, what in the world does this even make sense? 
How does this even make sense? The idea here is that they are trying to keep the narrative going that masks have the, been the only thing that works. I've got so much data on the side, which I don't even need to get into about how these two locations, both one did mass, one didn't, and they both have the same spikes. Those are all circulating today like they're new breaking information. They're important. But you know this by now. We've been showing you that every 30 seconds for the entire process. They didn't have an effect because, shockingly, they're not statistically significant on transmission. That's why there's not a statistically significant effect when you compare the two. So why in the world, if they want us to believe these things have saved our lives and they're continuing to tell you this is happening, would they stop the mask mandates? I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just showing you that the flaw in their logic and what they're really doing is responding to the fact that you are winning and they're rolling it back. Doesn't mean it's going away. These are pauses. They're going to argue the the mask saved our lives because we haven't fully pushed in enough to destroy that in the mainstream circles. So then once something else happens and we all get quiet and we forget about this, we get comfortable, they're going to push it back in and we have to fight all over again to reprove that they never worked in the first place. That's what they're doing here. New York governor announced Wednesday that the state will end the mandate requiring face mask coverings in most indoor public settings, like the actual location where if within their narrative is supposed to be the most dangerous. Like the idea of outdoor mask mandates is like the most unscientific thing possible, especially with what we know about COVID-19, if you believe that's actually happening. And when I say no, I mean what they're telling us they know about the narrative. You have to always understand that's where I'm talking about it. But indoor public settings, but we'll keep maskings in place for schools. The, pl- the, the very people who have the least amount of risk Explain that to me. There's something very strange going on, and I think this is about just keeping certain things in place, keeping the children who will be the next generation of voters and manipulators, keeping them thinking this is the safest thing, but their parents just don't understand. Well, we're seeing this change, guys. We're watching this roll back, and this should not be taken as a positive other than the fact that we did essentially make this happen, in my opinion. The positive is that we have an effect and we need to realize that more, but we haven't done it enough because pausing this is not what we want. We want it stopped. As it says here, and I agree completely, unacceptable Canadian girl says, wow, Alberto's vaccine passport ends tonight at midnight. Now ask yourself why. That's That's great news. But based on their narrative this entire time, there is no scientific logic for that. They've been screaming at you about why the science supports everything they've been doing. So why then on a dime does it just end all of a sudden? You see what I'm saying? This is alarming to me, in fact. But it says, we need to stay vigilant. Absolutely. It's great that this is happening, but they've shown us for two years that they can't be trusted. Time will tell. Exactly. Time doesn't need to tell. They can't be trusted. We need to know that right now. They've already proven it, like she said. So let's not wait for the lies. Let's be aware right now that they're already lying to you. Here's Fauci adding to it. Mr. Doomsdayer, Doomsayer himself, Fauci, U.S. exiting full-blown pandemic phase of coronavirus crisis. Why exactly? Because Omicron? Didn't you guys spend the last two months telling us that's not what that's going to do? That we're, in fact, possibly in more danger because it's not as dangerous? Which, that, that's actually what they tried to argue? Yeah, that's what they tried to do. Telling you the variants and the unvaccinated, oh my gosh, this doesn't mean what you think it means, and now we're rolling back. And the the big part of it's over. Now, the only way you can make sense of that is because this is no longer as dangerous. What they're going to try to argue is that the injections and the supposed herd immunity they keep telling us we don't reach when they don't want us to know we're there, or rather, they they keep telling us we haven't gotten there when they want people to keep getting injected, but then insinuating we have enough when they want people that got the injection to feel like they did their part while lying equally to everybody. But that's not the case. 
We're watching the cases explode in every single category, cases specifically in every place around the world in the fully injected and the boosted. The cases specifically, and we'll show you that next, exploding, risk and majority. That doesn't make sense with their narrative. So they're running from you guys. The U.S. is exiting the full-blown pandemic phase of the years-long COVID-19 crisis. You know, 14 days to flatten the curve. You know, the years-long 14 days to flatten the curve. That Biden administration chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, told Financial Times on Tuesday, as we get out of the full-blown pandemic phase of COVID-19, which was literally never a pandemic, literally never a pandemic based on the U.S. government's own metrics that existed before this started, but who cares about facts, right? On top of that, that we actually realize now that these have been wildly over-manipulated. I mean, manipulated and over-manipulated, and overhyped, and everything you could add to it, everything, from the PCR false positives to the flu and pneumonia being conflated, from hospitalizations from, co- from with COVID, from, from COVID, and I mean, everything, literally everything, from the age diff- diff- stratification, that, you know, after vaccination, but ignoring it before, right? All of these things are all falling apart, and they really show you that there was never what they said it was, which... We are certainly heading out of, he says, these decisions will increasingly be made on a local level rather than centrally decided or mandated. Why that was ever the case is beyond me. There, there will also be more people making their own decisions on how they, will, they want to deal with the virus. Now, this is also a rollback into saying, okay, but we're going to let them make their own choices. And all that means is we're going to let the six companies that run everything decide to do what we already told them to do. That's what that means. So that, and so really, when you're the average person in a small business, that's a small fraction of what they're talking about. They're talking about the Walmarts and the gas stations and everything else that you're going to go to and you have to go to if you're gas and so on that will be controlled and saying, well, you can't come in here without a vaccine passport. We know it's not the law, but we decide to. We want to do that. Remember in the beginning, we talked about how that was illegal and they said, no, it's not because we're only talking about hospitals. Well, here we are and no one seems to care now. What about HIPAA? What about everything else? You have no right to ask me about my vaccination status. Now, the idea was that they have an undue burden. Right? We can't allow you to come in here and possibly be sick because that creates an undue burden. Well, guess what has very clearly created the real undue burden? The entire vaccine infrastructure. These businesses are overwhelmed with having to grade and have passports and check things and have new touchless centers and QR codes. And yeah, that's a big difference than just going nothing. Right, That's literally the alternative going, I'm not going to check anything, in fact. And just if you feel sick, don't come into work like we've always done. That's the undue burden, right? That's what the government painted it as. The undue burden has been what they created, just like problem being worse, the solution being worse than the problem. Everything they've done has been worse than what they claimed was happening from day one. Exactly like Trump swore up and down it wouldn't be, and then he literally made every single choice that created the path to where we are today. You know, typical. But this is also what we're seeing, and and at first glance, you know, that's kind of funny, right? Party prep, it says. 2019 versus 2022. And on one side, you got a girl getting ready with her mascara. On the other side, she's kind of sickly and she's doing a PCR test up her nose. Ha, that's pretty funny, right? Not really. Because what this is ultimately doing is normalizing the idea that this is the reality. And it's something they want you to kind of chuckle at. Be like, yeah, that is kind of funny where we are. No, it's not. The idea that you think you need to take a, a, a invasive test that, I mean, first of all, the kind of test that she's pointing at is the ones that you have to jam back to your blood brain barrier. I don't know why anybody's doing that, but why we think that's normal. The point is though that you guys don't there. uh, There's a minority of people on either side of the parties that are presenting as the majority, but they're not. We see this. They're trying to normalize the idea that testing, you know, making sure you don't have an illness, even though you don't have any symptoms before you do anything or interact with people is now the norm. And it's not. 
That's leading to the idea that your sickly, disgusting human body is the problem. That's what they think. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? The idea, especially if you're coming from a religious standpoint, right? This is blasphemous. We're talking about the very, the, the, the temple that is your body being treated like something that needs to be destroyed, manipulated, cut apart, and redesigned. That's not what most of you likely believe, whether it's religious or not, but that's what they want to normalize. Now here is Trudeau going a different direction, right? Still rolling things back. My point is still pushing the ideas though, by literally telling you, as this person puts it, restrictions are the way to avoid restrictions. Now it's not a quote, in fact, but it is literally what he's suggesting there that, well, the restrictions are how we get back to normal, right? That's what they keep doing. So by that metric, by that logic, restrictions are the normal. Yeah, that's always been the point. In their minds, I mean. I think one of the things uh, we all understand is just how frustrated everyone is. Um, we're all frustrated. We're all sick and tired of restrictions, of, of mandates, of having to, to make sacrifices, of not being able to do the things we love. Uh, it's been two years, and it's, and it's really, really tiring for all of us. This government has been focused every step of the way on following the best science, following the best public health advice to keep as many people safe as possible. And quite frankly, it's worked. We've seen uh, the curves uh, lower in Canada than elsewhere. We've seen. Oh, really? Oh, so the curves apparently are lower, which is not true. And they've no, lo they didn't lower curves at all. In fact, Canada and these places like this, like, they, they literally, this is the point about after two years going, we did it. 14 days to flatten the curve. We did it. We did it. It's done, right? We all told you this would happen. This is the mission accomplished moment for, for George Bush. They're going, well, we did it, right? After hurting people with injections that caused the problem to wildly increase, now it's going away. We did it. See, it worked. Just like historical situations with injections where that was what happened, where in fact the injection caused everything to get much worse, but because it was already on natural decline, it continued to go back down. That's verifiable. Not to suggest that everything everywhere else doesn't work, but simply that is a verifiable reality. And just for the record, I did not suggest that that picture was showing her putting out her blood-brain barrier. Ah, so exhausting. I was simply saying that that is the test that can go to your blood-brain barrier and why people continue to do that was what I was saying. But... Always out of context, but continuing to listen to what he has to say. Lower death rates, we've seen quicker economic recovery because because Canadians stepped up. Oh, so economic recovery too, right? Can, didn't you didn't you feel that Canada? Didn't you notice a rapid economic recovery? No, not even remotely. What they're now pointing at as recovery is coming back to a semblance of something that we had before and acting like that rapid, you know, build uh, increase that's not where we were before is somehow a, look at how much we improved. It's not improvement. You destroyed 90% and then built back 70. And you're saying, look at how well it, look at that's a, that's a historical increase. Well, yeah, because you destroyed everything. St. Biden did the same thing. This is dishonest. Now, this point's relevant to the next point, right? What they did is destroy the economy. They destroyed your lives. Not the COVID-19 illusion. They did with their actions. As Canadians got vaccinated and I can understand frustrations with mandates, but mandates are the way to avoid further restrictions or having to be restricted. As people get vaccinated, as Canadians have gotten vaccinated, we've been able to get through things. And this team is going to stay focused on doing exactly that. Right. So basically, we're going to stay focused on restricting your life because the restricting your life is how you remove the restrictions. Like, that's actually what he's saying. Can you believe that? How And and this and the people out there, and that's what he's saying, actually. This is what I love about this. The the new mantra for the World Economic Forum, uh, 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 Aparachics, 
funny. I, I feel like I've read that before, which is uh, a member of the Communist Party. Aparchiks. Maybe not. Maybe not. What am I thinking? When I, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, it's interesting. I'm always fascinated by words, especially when it's something I thought was something else. But the point being is that this is the mantra right now, right? That we have to literally, like, and it's counterintuitive, is it not? We, we need to restrict your life so that we can restrict your life. That's what they're saying. But the restrict your life is the party's discussing about their normal has become this. And they're not even realizing it. But his point about destroying the economy, right? Here's what he just said. Trudeau calls unacceptable truck blockades, which, by the way, they're not blockades. First of all, they're protests. Now, in some cases, you could call them blockades if they're, you know, I mean, I guess it's not unfair to call it a blockade, but that seemed to me to suggest that it was done for the simple point of the blockade as opposed to the protest. Maybe just my point on it. But I think the problem is, is whenever you see the framing compared to like a Black Lives Matter protest or anything else. It's it's the it, the hypocritical stance is very, very obvious, you know, where one is terrorist, domestic, you know, terrorist destroying everything and, you know, attacking people. And then you have the other side of it where the, those things are very clearly happening. And I, but, well, I'm not going to get into that in, in depth. But then they don't talk about it or they argue that, well, I know this is the biggest threat, pandemic in a century and they could be spreaded, but it's because the, 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 the thing they're protesting is super important. Like that was actually the argument when that happened, but then other protests came out and they were arrested, right? So you care about what their, their idea is. So the risk doesn't matter anymore. Like it's, it's just subjective. But the point was that he's calling these people a threat to the economy, a threat to the economy, right? The economy that you guys destroyed, right? So shutting down the entire economy based on your illusion, that's not a threat to the economy. Like let's literally destroying it, but having them do this. And by the way, the argument is to hinder their whatever, which this is something Brian and I talked about that I think is very important on a side note. The last thing these people should be doing, and I don't think this was the intention. I think this kind of just became what it was. Shouldn't be blocking and adding to the supply chain issue, like being trucks and not delivering or blocking the streets by they might be used. Like in Europe, as I understand it, what they were trying to do, at least the plan, was to encircle the capitals and block their access to the work they're doing. So that, so you're not really hurting the average person. Do you really think that the politicians care about blocking the streets that people, average people use? I mean, to some degree, maybe. But ultimately, I think this is kind of counterintuitive. But, you know, it's still having a great effect. I'm not going to disparage that. This has gone around the world, and it's really reaching people. So it's important. But just we need to think about this going forward. Like, this is only going to be used to point. Like, how about this? How, whether or not it affects the supply chain, this will be used to as a as a scapegoat to act like they're the ones that cause this problem. That's already what they're trying to do by arguing they're destroying the economy. My point is, these people are the ones fighting for them to stop destroying the economy. You understand? And yet here we are. They're the ones. Like, this is a carefully planned narrative. But it says, blockages, illegal demonstrations are unacceptable. Illegal, right? So now they're illegal because they just said they are. They're protesting within their rights. Just because they don't like what they're protesting or how they're doing it does not mean it becomes illegal by nature or by just because they say it is. And are negatively impacting businesses and manufacturers. But you see, they're already blaming it on them. We must do everything to bring them to an end. That's a really ominous statement. We must do everything to bring them to an end. Who cares whether they're protesting or whether some of them might not even be involved with the blockade, but you're going to go after all of them equally. That's how this goes. But Trudeau's bully boys, as Daily Mail frames it, people are being arrested simply for honking in support. I mean, it's legitimate, guys. This is way, way over the top.
They are so terrified of what they're seeing happen. Th- these people are what they're framing as domestic terrorists from the United States perspective and from Canada, simply because they are fighting for their freedom. And that doesn't mean that people within this aren't maybe doing bad things as well. It's a gigantic protest of multifaceted people. They're, they're scared of all of it. Here is what they want from you. All right. If you're on the, if you're on the podcast, this is a classic picture, not this picture in particular, but what the, what the sent to the idea of something that we are all raised with something that until we actually stand back for a moment and reflect on it, it's totally normal. But is it really though? Like, is it really like, so for those in the podcast, we're talking about the pledge of allegiance, right? We all did this when we were kids. Now you can look at this picture where you got all these kids standing in front of this with a bunch of adults behind them, making sure they're doing hands on their heart, mindlessly repeating, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Now we all, you know, talk, we all know that we all pretend that's normal, right? And of course you're not allowed to talk about it because you're un-American. But think about what you're actually doing there. You are, you're taking a bunch of children that don't understand what they're doing, don't understand what they're saying for the most part. Because I mean, this is happening from kindergarten all the way up, right? And you are forcing them. You're not allowed to not do it. I, I even had a kid when I was growing up that didn't want him. They made him do it. He got detention and so on, right? Forcing these children to literally pledge allegiance to a government. So ask yourselves this. Do this is this not a free country? Do these children not get to make their own choices? Do the parents not get to make a choice for the children? Like my point simply here is to realize how weird this process really is. I'm not even suggesting that it's you that it's necessarily wrong. If you want to do it, then go ahead. The bottom line is to make this happen and make it a standard is really strange. And it's pro, it is social engineering. Like the, my point is to look at things like that happened in China. Now, from a U.S. lens, we look at these things and go weird. Look at how aggressive they are. And they're forcing them to say these mantras and whatever. What does that look like? Right. We don't see it the same way. Because we think of a different perspective. My point here, guys, is this is what the government wants from you. Mindless subservience to the government. Because that's un-American if you don't, right? Now, this person up here says, I want this back now. Now, of course, this person, if you look at their account, very partisan, very Republican. This person says, what exactly? And I know what, they're t- I know what that person's pointing at. The problem is this person, in my opinion, has decided... And this is a subjective point. I'm not going to say I know for sure this person, but my, my argument from the, the part of party politics is that that kind of person is okay with mindless subservience to a president of one side of the party. That's okay, though, because freedom fighters are okay with Republican presidents mindlessly subservient to that and your children and so on. But no, not the Democrat side and vice versa, right? That's the problem, guys. Mindless subservience to anything is a problem. Love and support and appreciate and and stand up for your country if you want to. But it should be your choice, whether child or not. And it should not be something that you force people to pledge allegiance to. That is authoritarianism. But, oh, un-American, right? The reality is that challenging things like this or standing up and expressing your thoughts, that's quintessentially American. Like we just read the other day. Now, bringing this over into the data, which we'll end with here for the most part, one point about Pfizer at the end, I want to go over a couple of interesting points that I saw that they've added in the Scotland data. Now, look, they're very aware that we are watching this closely. I'm surprised they haven't just pulled the data from like they have in some other places. Like, I'm still waiting for Northern Ireland to put out the next report that I haven't seen. But they know we're looking at this and they know that this is being used 
and rightly so, because it shows you what they don't want you to see, to to expose the reality, in my opinion. But they would argue to they're being used to misrepresent the situation, right? That's what they're arguing. That's why all this is being added. Now, let's go through these first before we get into the data. This says COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by vaccine status. Now, the content and frequency of reporting in this section is under review. Ah, so how much you want to bet that this whole thing changes in the next couple of months? Further details will be provided next week. Why would you change the process? Right. The whole point is, and I'm going to get to this more in a second, that the older ones, actually, that's not the one right here, or where is it right here? This is the older one. This one's from November 2021. You'll notice something interesting is that they, a lot has changed, right? The reason they did this to begin with is because the basic understanding of this was that this is very transparent, right? That the data is pretty clear, that there's not much you have to, you know, that the, the fact that they're trying to add all these different lenses and interpretations is because they're trying to frame it for you the way they want you to see it. Even more important, and I'll make this point again, notice what's not in this discussion right here back in November, not that long ago, the risk per 100,000. Now it is in the other ones down here, but on cases back then, why wouldn't that be there? Isn't that the entire point? Uh, isn't that what they're yelling at us right now? You're too dumb. You don't understand. It's not the percentage. It's not the total. It is the risk per 100,000, right? Then, then explain for me why all you see on this report is the number and the percentage. That implies that that's all you really need to know, that the percentage is what makes the point, right? But then suddenly, when the percentage slanted really hard towards the vaccinated, they went, oh, well, now, no, don't look at that anymore. It's the risk that matters. See my point? Goalpost moving. And you guys have seen this the entire time. But we'll get back to that. Next point. It's telling you, please read before reviewing the following tables and figures, right? And this is my point What they keep doing. Don't just look at this obvious breakdown of clear per 100,000 risk and clear majority, which are not impossible to misunderstand. But no, you have to read it and interpret it this way. You have to hold it in the light just right and close one eye and you're going to see it the way we think you should see it. There is a large risk of misinterpretation, they say, of the data presented. Now, I don't see why, I don't even see how that makes sense. No one's misinterpreting anything. I, I mean, there are people out there that I'm sure would and are, but we're showing you the data. We're saying it's the majority in these cases, and here's the risk in each case. That's exactly, I'm, I'm literally just repeating what they're pointing at on these reports and showing you, well, here's the percentages. You can come to your own conclusions about it. The fact that we're even doing that is what they're saying is misinterpretation. That's what's crazy to me. Now it says, I don't think there's anything else in there. Oh, yeah, well, the same point that they keep making, which I keep making from before, and I think I'll highlight it somewhere else, is that all they're really doing here now is pointing at what we were trying to say in the beginning. Remember in the beginning of COVID-19, and we were going, but wait a minute, the risk is different, right? This this 20-year-old has an, ex an, an exponentially decreased risk compared to the 70-year-old, and it's obviously less than the flu, and we know that now. We all should be very clearly seeing that. They've admitted it. The data shows it. Yet they keep still giving you this average report, even as on the other side of it. I mean, average meaning that they just combine all of the risk and they give you an average, which basically just means that the eight, 70, 80 or 90 year olds are slanting everybody else into what they argue is more risk than that's why this all makes sense. On top of that, it's relative in most cases in regard to the vaccine and how it helps you. Right. So there's all these manipulations. But here they add the same logic, but after the injection, they go, but. Simple comparison of the cases in these, you know, unvaxxed versus vaxxed should not be used to assess how effective the vaccine is in preventing this issue. Why? Well, there's a number of differences between the groups, right? Such biases. 
that's not actually not the best place to report it. That's somewhere else in here that I've already shown you, but it's the same point they're making there, that there are differences, right? If there are age differences or situational differences, they should be factored in, obviously. So why are we still not doing that for the risk for COVID-19 before? You're still using, I mean, it went from 3.6% death rate, which was flagrant catastrophic. I mean, that was knowingly wrong. Let's be real about it. They knew that was incorrect. They, they've been shown and exposed for using subjective points that they just decided on that had no basis in science to just claim that. And it immediately fell apart. And they kept pointing at it all the way up to 2021 until they finally had to admit that it's not, that's, that's clearly not where we are. And yet we still point back at it and pretend that the risk is still averaged out and they're barely holding on to something that's just above the flu risk. Almost everybody has a dramatically less risk than the flu for COVID-19. Then they go, but the long haul, and we've gotten to that plenty of times. We're not even barely, we're barely getting to a period where we can actually have enough data to argue long haul. But on top of that, the JAMA Network peer-reviewed science has already shown you that, in their opinion, based on the scientific study, that it's mostly psychosomatic. But going forward, it says vaccinated individuals can still be infected with COVID-19, telling you what we what, what you should be hearing, but they don't want to admit really loudly. Basically saying that if you get this injection, you can still get sick, you can still spread it, and you can even get reinfected. Current evidence suggests that you may test positive for COVID or be reinfected even if you're vaccinated. You know what that doesn't happen with? People with natural immunity, which is a huge portion of the population, even according to the CDC, that they pretend doesn't count even as they admit that it counts. Make sense of that. I mean, I'm not even making that up. They're admitting that it's there, but still going, but that doesn't matter though. You have to get the injections. How does that make sense? So it wasn't real before. Now we admit it's real, but it still doesn't count. Like these people have lost their minds. I've really, they've lost control of the narrative. And that's, this is what it looks like. Now, okay, next point. It says here, Evidence suggests that COVID vaccines are over 75%. That's actually why I played that clip in the beginning. Now, now we're over. The, and here's the best part of it. Evidence suggests, you not realize that that very clearly means that they're not they're, they're They don't know. And this is where the last part of today's show is going to get into, which is regard to Pfizer quietly admitting that their data is pretty shot, which by the way, should bring to mind somebody like Brooke Jackson, who Shoot, I'm realizing right now that I was supposed to call a couple of days ago to have to reach out to her again. We're, I got to connect with her because we were supposed to do a follow-up interview. And this is where this ends up, where the data is falling apart in front of us. And she was one of the first people to stand up and call that out. And they have actively suppressed and attacked and disparaged her, like everybody else that calls out the truth. They're claiming these are evidence suggests, which means we don't know, that these injections are over 75% effective at preventing severe outcomes of COVID. Okay, so we're not even talking about preventing transmission, which we know doesn't even happen with these. That's been admitted to. But they're saying that now it's maybe 75% effective at reducing your symptoms. Can you not, can we not see how far this has moved from where we started? And this is just, whether it's Omicron or not is ridiculous because we already saw this happen with Delta and they even came out and had to admit transmission stop during Delta. They're just desperately hoping that we're not paying attention to the time frame here. Then he says COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths are strongly driven by older age. Okay, here's the point I was making. Oh, you don't, you don't say, you don't say they're clearly driven by, but so what here, what they're doing here is only applying that logic after the injection. If COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths are strongly driven by age, why wouldn't you then factor that into the risk you're giving everybody before they potentially get this thing? Like you see how ridiculous that is? That's them knowingly not doing that. And most deaths occurred in those over 70, having multiple other illnesses. <laughs> yeah, those are three different points we kept making. 96% of them in the beginning had 
two or three more comorbidities. That was that was in 2020, I believe that came out from CDC. I could be wrong, maybe 2021. Then they were forced to admit it again later on in the narrative, showing you that it was sickly old people in the hospital that were being cold they had COVID-19 and dying by and large, in my opinion. Says, but overall, they say you're less likely to be hospitalized if you're vaccinated with a booster. Okay. So you're less likely to be hospitalized if you're vaccinated with a booster? Like, this is just, that that's a great sell point right there, right? You might not die if you get the booster too. <laughs> it says dates and rates presented in the section are not a measure of vaccine effectiveness. Seriously? So what's the report for? Like now they're just pretty straight up going, ah, this doesn't even count anymore. We're going to keep reporting it because we want you to, we want to pretend like we're being transparent, but we're going to tell you that this entire report that's designed to very, very clearly give you a measure of how this is working, it shouldn't be used for that factor anymore. It says vaccine effectiveness is a scientific method used to measure how well a vaccine protects people against outcomes such as infection, symptoms, hospitalization, and death. Well, really, that's the way, remember what they sold it to you as stopping transmission. We all, we saw it all. We saw, we saw Miss Maddow tell you very patronizingly that it's about you getting sick and it won't go to the next person. That's what we did. And that's what it does. We saw them all do it very clearly spoon feeding you what they wanted you to think. And then here we go, but no, now it's getting con- confused into outcomes maybe as this and symptoms and hospitalizations and it's whatever they want it to be. So if it gets one thing, reduces mild the symptoms, then it works, right? Clearly not. Unlike r- case rates, Vaccination effectiveness analysis accounts for potential biases in the data and risk factors as age, sex, prior infection, comorbidities, socioeconomic status, and time since vaccination. Right. Everything they're refusing to apply to the risk before the injection. This method is the most robust way. Yeah, exactly. So why aren't they using it everywhere? The data and rates presented in this section do not account for biases and risk factors and should not be measured vaccine effectiveness. It's just dumb. Just like the cycle threshold difference and a million other things they're applying in contradictory ways before or after the injection. Now it says for people who get injected may be more likely to follow government guidance, such as regular testing and reporting for COVID. Like these are all things that played a factor in everything. And they're just only right now pretending like they're an a-, a legitimate point to add to this. How about the fact that on top of that, people that are more likely to follow government instructions are the people more likely to get injections and wear masks and all the other things that are increasing their risk of illness. And that's why we're seeing the problem. But yeah, don't count any of those things because those are fake news, according to them, despite being proven by peer-reviewed science. Vaccine effectiveness wanes over time, right? This is something we've been talking about for a long time now. But what they're painting for you right in this paragraph is that this is not something that is, the vaccine is not waning. Your immune system does not work anymore. That's a great point that was made by the Daily Expose. We have to realize here that your, your immune system is what's supposed to make these things. The vaccine is supposed to simply create the process where your body then creates these things. The idea that this wanes over time is not the vaccine not working. That is, the va- that is your body's immune system being affected by the injection. It's hurting your body and you're not making these things properly because the process begins. Right, just like we're seeing after the infection, but there's something else going on and spike proteins and mRNA and whatever else is happening that is hurting your body. Maybe the fact that you're making antibodies for something that's no longer in the existence right now. Yeah, maybe that. But it says COVID-19 vaccine effectiveness wanes over time. Within the first and second dose population, there will be a number of individuals that will have exceeded the recommended time for their next vaccine dose. Right. So what they're telling you right there is people who have one and two doses who just wait long enough will get sick. 
or that, or at the very least, have a very, very obviously increased risk. And this is the point, guys. Right now, if you've had two doses and you just don't get your booster, you are perpetually in higher risk than the person who never got one. How does that make sense to anybody if you think this thing works? Just because the booster then changes the data they're telling you, even if it does, that doesn't make sense in how this was supposed to work. Omicron or whatever we're pointing at doesn't just revel, just alter everything that happened before, especially if we're talking about people that are other places still dealing with different things. And yet we see the same correlation of data everywhere. How does that make sense? There are places that are still claiming Delta and whatever else. But it goes on to say these people may be more susceptible to a severe outcome. The people that don't get their booster in the three-month time frame and could result in higher COVID case hospitalizations and death rates in the first and second dose groups. Hear what they're saying. That if you just don't follow the time frame and just don't and wait five months, you are now at higher risk. How long have we been telling you that? It does say could result, obviously, but that's simply, they're saying if you do this, this is a situation, you're putting yourself in a potentially high risk situation by having these injections and not following their orders after that. For example, some of the older individuals who have exceeded the recommended time will have not received their next vaccine dose because of frailty or ill health, which I don't know, that's a large assumption. They are therefore more likely to be hospitalized or die if they get COVID-19, but they already have two doses that you told us a moment ago was going to keep them safe. At the very least, you should stand back and realize that what they're telling you right now could be tomorrow incorrect. I don't know why in the world people pretend these people are being honest with them, but if you want to pretend they are, just recognize they've been wrong aggressively. It says difficulty knowing who was unvaccinated. How many times we made this point to you? That's a huge point. There is a lot, it says, a lot of uncertainty about who is in the unvaccinated population, which makes interpretation of COVID rates in this group difficult. Now that is the primary point in regard to why maybe we shouldn't look at this in regard to efficacy, but from the unvaccinated category, right? Because if you under, if you undershoot the population, that's going to make the risk you're pointing at look a hell of a lot larger. Then ask whether or not that's happening on purpose. Fair question. The group they know is the the injected. They know they're tracking all those people. Pharmacovigilance. They told you this from day one uninjected, I believe they still do know to a large degree, but the point is they're at least telling you, admitting or claiming that they don't have that information. That's crazy. Why then would we look at the unvaccinated population and compare the risk if you are telling us we don't even know if that's the full population, which guarantees if they were wrong, it's going to be more than that. So it's almost a guarantee the numbers are less. Let's put it that way. Right? I mean, that's. I'm, I, tell me if, if, if you think I'm wrong. I think it's a pretty fair conclusion. If you don't know the number, and you know the number is going to be more. It's not like you're going to overshoot it because you don't know the population. You're only going to add what you can prove. And they're telling you it's hard to find them all. It's almost a guarantee there's going to be more. So the number will be less. Think about that. But it says COVID cases and vaccination status. Analysis from Scotland show that the booster and third dose of the COVID vaccines are associated, get this, with a 57% reduction risk of symptomatic infection, not transmission, not severe disease, but reduced risk of symptomatic infection. That's it. 57%. And that is relative risk reduction, not absolute. So incredibly important. 57%? Like, okay, here's the, here's the thing. If the second shot is supposed to be higher than that, why is that one hurting more people? Right. I'm going to get into that in a minute for those that already know where we're going with this, that this is about how they're playing games with that 14, 21 day period. 
I believe it is. And I think they're just dumping this back into another category. And I'll show you the breakdown of the data that makes that look pretty obvious. But 57%, if they came to you in the beginning of this and said, here, you're going to have to take three shots. The third one will give you a 57, ultimately it'll pan out to be a 57% reduction in mild symptoms. You still get sick. You can still spread it, catch it, go to the hospital, possibly everything, but 57% reduction in your symptoms. And then you can also get sick again. You can get reinfected. They just told you that. Would you have taken that thing? Would you have taken three of them? And then it says 57 re- reduced risk of symptomatic infection with the Omicron variant. So it's in, in Omicron context, but it was similar with Delta. We just showed you the data compared to those who are more than 25 weeks post second dose of COVID injection. So what they're telling you is that this. So vaccines are associated with a 57% reduction in that in the symptoms compared to more than a 25 week post dose of COVID or uh, of COVID injection. So that seems to suggest that they. It is better. I mean, I, it's it's hard to, it's, I'm trying to suss out what they're ultimately saying right there, that it's compared to, but that doesn't seem to suggest whether it's higher or lower, right? But it does say here, analysis of vaccine effectiveness against symptomatic disease with Omicron variant suggests, and this is what all the reports have been saying, a lower impact than the Delta variant. So the idea is that this is l- working less. And that's what this was here for, what we've showed you before. That's what their study showed you. Here's Delta, here's Omicron. Pfizer was 86%, they claim, relative risk reduction, which is 0.8% or something very low when it's actual. It went down to 55. That's one to 30 days. That's a day one, it begins to decline. Then after 30 days, Omicron world, it goes to 16 relative, down to 80 over here. Like, look at this goes down to nine after 60 days. The point being that after 90 days, it increases to a 76% increased risk of catching COVID. That's what this, that's what the data finds. And that's also what the rest of them are finding out why we're seeing explosion in cases. But what's interesting is that they're telling you right there that that's what's happening. And yet we're, and, oh, and on top of that, don't forget that the fact that this went down below 50% in any point meant that it should have lost its emergency use authorization. That's stated right in the paperwork, but nobody cares. Although lower, it says this is still substantial vaccine effect and effectiveness is higher after a booster than after one or two doses. So what they're telling you right now is that the booster is giving you 50% reduction. That means one in two, that's what I was kind of trying to say before, is less than that. How does that make sense? If it's less than 57% reduction of symptomatic illness, how are any of these things working? And, And they're just going, but it's an effect. It works. How about we talk about natural immunity for the people that have a below risk of the flu? Why is that? And they've admitted this now and we still can't get this out. I can't believe people think this makes sense. Now, to get to the point about this in regard to why they're breaking this down, don't forget the definitions here. COVID-19 vaccination status is defined as the following. And this is everywhere you're going to find it, except that Scotland and a couple of the places seem to have moved the first one to 21 days. But everywhere you look right now, it's going to have the same definition. Dose one is only counted as dose one vaccinated if you have a test positive for COVID-19 by PCR more than 21 days after their first dose. Well, technically it's a bit more down here. These are framed in two different ways. This one is talking about the vaccination status is defined as this. And then down here is talking about how they define the population. And see, it just simply says the number of individuals that had their first shot more than 21 days. It's the same discussion, right? The point here is they're telling you this is the status and how they define it. You do not have dose one unless it's 21 days after their first dose. That's the point. Same thing, dose two. 14 days 
after the second dose. So if you got the first dose and it was 20 days afterward and you died, that's counted as a unvaccinated death. I mean, it's the same point on Alberta, which was why we have this up here. And you can see the Alberta page still says the same thing. Actually here. I forgot this is the way back version of it. It's, it's on both, actually, but it's just that you can see that for the way back seems to have made this look funny at the top. So here's the current up-to-date page, which is better anyway, right now. Live page, Alberta. Same thing. Telling you right here. These people, th- th- in this case, it's 54% of the cases, were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks from the first, from the first dose. So the point, again, is that if they got the first dose, then got, the, uh, got sick, hospitalized, or died, because the same point, hospitalized, death, same thing, two weeks afterward. Right. That would mean that you died. You would be counted as unvaccinated if it happened within a two week period. I, I don't know why the, the argument that, that doesn't the vaccine doesn't work until then is arbitrary. And I mean, you, there's a logic to that, but that should be factored in, not dismissed. The idea is that if an injection is in your body and something happens, of course, that should be considered for why that might have been adding to the problem. But nope. Because of this arbitrary definition of times that is different where you look right in this case, it's 14 days after dose one. But over here in Scotland, it's 21. Right? How, it's, where's the science to that? The reason they moved to 21 is because it it removes the vast majority of the problems. Alberta accidentally posted this and shows you that dose one for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, the vast majority of the problem happens within the first 21 days. The vast majority of cases, the vast vast majority of hospitalizations, and the vast majority of deaths. Right? So here's 21. You can see or here's 20. So that means the vast majority of all the deaths that happened in that first shot, which is, seems like a lot, are being kicked over to unvaccinated. So don't forget that. We're going to come back to it in a second. The point here is here's how they're defining it, whether it's, at, whether it's the definition or the population they're pulling it from. The number of individuals at their first dose more than 21 days prior to the reporting period. That is what dose one is. Same for dose two, booster, same thing, right? Now, down here, oh, I guess I didn't, uh, oh, it was the next page. That's right unvaccinated was the same idea. It's self-explanatory, but here's they get into something that I missed last time. Now, this is really important, guys. Check this out. This is Scotland's data, and it says COVID-19 related acute hospital admissions. So we're not, we're not, we're not just talking about cases here. Listen to how they describe any COVID-related hospitalization. It is an individual that has tested positive for COVID-19 by PCR up to 14 days prior to hospital admission. On the day of or day following admission, in between hospital admission and discharge and just 15 years older. (laughs) What? That's crazy. I mean, this admits to what we already know. So literally you could go in the hospital with a broken back, be discharged, and in the process of being discharged, get a COVID test, and that goes down as a COVID hospitalization. It says that right there. Or come in with a broken back and the next day get a test, and be told you're sick, and that goes down as a hospitalization. How is that even? That's you're, you didn't get hospitalized for COVID, so why would that be a COVID hospitalization? How that's dishonest, guys. Up to 14 days prior, and then why in the world would it only account for 15 years and older? I think what that shows you is that Scotland is well aware that children are not part of this equation. You take, I mean, you take. I don't. How do you explain that? When, I mean, everywhere else is using these children as the focal point. And here they are going, well, I don't care if they have a COVID test and are hospitalized. If they're 14, we don't care. It's not going to be counted. That's what it says right there. So bottom line is hospitalizations are completely manipulatable. 
and they know they can. It, so basically, it depends on who they decide to test. And are you telling me that if they are told they are injected, that these people will just test them? I mean, I promise you that at some level, hospital workers are not testing people they think are vaccinated. Speaking to their own point about saying, well, people that are injected may follow government orders and so on. Well, that's the same argument. These people treat them differently because they believe they're protected. Think about that. All of these things lead to the manipulation of what we're staring at here, guys. Confirmed COVID deaths, same thing. This is crazy. A confirmed COVID death is defined as an individual. And by the way, this is only in Scotland we're talking about here. Is defined as an individual who has tested positive by PCR, which that right there should throw it out the window for whether it's definitive or not, for SARS-CoV-2 at any point in time, at any time point, and has had COVID listed as an underlying or contributory cause or death of death on the death certificate. Vaccines, first of all, so just taking that first of all, that means, again, just like in the UK, which that's why this is that, because the UK, that's where this is coming from as a part of the UK. You could have a COVID test two years ago, get in a car crash today. That goes down as a COVID death. They've admitted that. I don't know why this is still something people think is real when you have things like that admitted to you. But then the main part, vaccine status is determined at the time of the most recent specimen date. There you go. So deaths, even if injected, if they fall behind that time frame, are considered not because if they, and this, that's what they're saying, the, the status is determined at the time of the, of the specimen. So if they get the specimen and it was 20 days after their first dose, that does not get counted as a COVID death, despite the fact that that's where the vast majority of the problems are happening, right? Look at how many, look at the death. The vast majority of deaths happen actually within what, 14 days? That's alarming that that's being hidden from us right now. Now, jumping this over into the actual data, now that we can see the manipulation, right? I think what this is showing us is very clearly, oh, well, first of all, before I get to that, this is the old report, Okay. Something something else has happened where I think they're playing games with their dates. I don't think it's very clear. Here is the last report that we looked at. And it says January 1st to January 28th. And you guys should know this by now. These are very clearly a month. Pro- they do one every week and they shift the next week. So next time or this time, so you, January 1st to the 7th will disappear. And it'll be January 8th to the next week after January 28th, right? It just moves up a week and it's the next month or the next week report, but it's a month of data. Okay. Here's what it went to in this report. Now, we're only talking about cases. It seems to be the same everywhere else. But it says May 10th, May 10th, 2021 to February 4th. But yet down here, it says what I was just saying, January 8th to now February 4th. Okay, so is that some kind of a typo? Or did they literally pull from the very specific time frame where they knew this looked different and just lump that in to the one location that is exploding? The cases. We keep showing you this. Look look at this data, by the way. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention this last time. That does not, that indicates some kind of, a, a that, that's crazy. There's something going on right there. That suggests to me manipulation. When you have this explosion this week and then everything just kind of shifts immediately afterward when you don't see that same representation in these, right? Look at them. You're looking at this 1394 per 100,000 risk compared to 900. 2,000 compa- compared to 900. And the next week it goes to 800. 400. Like that's strange. But look at the numbers on the one dose, two, three dose, two dose categories. And then look at it now. That's very different. And you know why? And by the way, even this looks different, the unvaccinated. And yes, it is a a weak difference, but look at how dramatically it's changed. And I think that's because unless it's a typo that they dumped in a whole period of time, which they think is favorable. 
I, there, that is undeniably dishonest. If that's what, if that's, that's the way this went down, dumping in a time period, that's like, that's like the CDC pulling from a time when everyone's unvaccinated and saying, look at how the unvaccinated are in the hospitals. It's a willful deception. But looking at the data itself, you could see nonetheless, even with that, even with that manipulation, if that's what happened, or, and then even with the very clear, verifiable dumping of everything that happens in one dose in the first 20 days back into unvaccinated, it's still higher. The risk and the numbers, all of it are still very, very much higher. Or excuse me, I take that back. Oh, uh, no, that's where are we, let's see. I was looking at the wrong numbers. Okay, so in the boot, one dose, and see, here's the point. This is important. The risk in every single category is higher in the one dose category because they're clearly having problems. But what's interesting is the numbers are very low compared to this. See? Why? That's because they're dumping the first 20 days, which has the majority of the problems, back into unvaccinated. It's very clean, very clear. Right? So what you end up with is this weird contradictory information, but the point is that all these numbers are being dumped over there, and yet still the risk is lower. And the same point here, don't forget. Two doses, the first 14 days, are being dumped back into one dose. And yet still, right? I mean, think about it like that. And then we get to the booster, and here's the main point. Right now, they're pretending that the booster is the best thing for you, but look, the risk is higher in every single category. Your risk per 100,000 of getting sick with COVID-19 right now is higher. Not the majority, not that there's the most people getting sick, but the risk you have by having that third dose in your body is higher than people right now that have had none. It's higher when you get one dose, it's higher when you get two, and it's higher when you get three. Here we are. It's pretty crazy. And that, and that is n even with dumping that information out of three back into two, which is why I think the risk and the numbers look much, much higher, right? In, in every other category I'm talking about, specifically the risk is what we're pointing out right here. But we'll go through this right now and look at every, every category. But again, I wanted to point out that the original report, the first, I think this is one of the first ones we started with, oddly seems to not have the risk per 100,000 in the cases. Now, if their argument right now is that the risk per 100,000 is the important part of it, even as we're now showing that it's higher anyway, why would they have in the beginning not included it if that's the only thing we should be looking at, right? It's just, it speaks to how they're moving and adding things so they can continue to move. To, they're changing the, the they're, they're moving the goalpost. This is what we continue to say. They keep just moving it and moving it and acting like the next metric and the next thing. And they're showing you right here that the percentage was what we should be looking at. And they did, they did that because it looked what how they wanted it to look. Then the moment the majority started to slant into the injected, they just go, oh, well, now it's about the 100,000. That's not accurate. But starting with this, and they also add this weird green category I'll touch on in a moment that there's no seemingly seeming indication about what that means. Here we have confirmed COVID-19 aged standardized case reports, right? Just like every other week we've done on this. Okay. So we have the same thing breakdown or the same breakdown. We just looked at this from the same report over there. <clears throat> now here's the, the breakdown of the data, but be, be very clear about the fact that one, if you're looking at the numbers, it is way more. I mean, we're talking what five times the amount in every week. So unvaccinated in the first week was 3,676 cases. Same week for the boosted was 13,953. 
Now you realize that the boosted is only it's it's you know it's a lower pro, it's I think it's something like fifty something percent in Scotland, fifty or sixty. I forget where they last time I looked at it. So it doesn't make sense that it would be such a gross overrepresentation. But then also that the risk would be higher. Like their narrative that can't account for this. If the risk is higher, that doesn't make sense. But they just pretend like I'm not saying this and they don't see it. La, 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 we don't see it, right? They point at something else. The death is what he keeps pointing at, okay? But when you look at the actual breakdown of the data, this becomes really shockingly obvious, okay? So we're talking about right here. There's been 86,375 cases based on their data. Unvaccinated accounts for only 13% of all the cases happening. 87% of all the cases in Scotland in that last month, and by the way, last month too, last month it was 88 right? And before that, same thing, 85, right? This is why continuity is important. So for the last three months straight, over 80% of all the cases in Scotland have been in the fully injected because that totally makes sense, right? That's called a pandemic of the injected. But now 87%, but here's where it gets interesting. Boosted alone accounts for 54% of all those cases. 54%. If the booster is supposed to be the thing that makes it all work, how do you explain that? Now, the idea, again, and this is what I keep trying to argue. This is like this is one of the biggest points for me right now. Dang it, I don't know why that always goes out of focus when we're not. There we go. So I, this is a point that I'm really trying to get my mind around too and, and, and find better ways to articulate. So if their narrative is to be taken at face value right now, right, which is what they want, then right now what we argue, arguably should be seeing is the overall risk of the uninjected steadily increasing. Right, no matter how much the population changes and more people get injected, the argument should be that they're creating herd immunity, and you know, and your risk would increase. Whatever that the idea should be, it should become more and more clear that their risk is continuing to increase, and the risk of the injected should be steadily decreasing in all categories, mind you. I mean, that's what they're trying to sell you. That if we just keep doing this, that's how it should go. We're seeing the opposite. We're seeing the majority in every category right now, every one of them in the injected. And then the risk being higher in most every single category, including the booster in the majority of these issues. I mean, guys, that just does not make sense. No matter how they try to spin this and squint at it, it does not make sense. My notes for myself. So, booster alone, 54%. 46,951 of the 86,000 cases were only the boosted. Fully vaccinated alone accounted for 29% of that, right? Then you factor in those in the one dose, and that's when you get your 87% in the injected. 13% were in the not injected, just like last month and the month before that. But what I think is also interesting, this risk for the, this is a point I was just making, just talking about transmission in cases, the risk for the uninjected went down dramatically from last week or last, yeah, last week, last month. So if last time it was 477 per 100,000 for the risk of getting sick for the uninjected, now it's 314. I mean, that's a huge decrease in risk, not majority, risk. How does that make sense? If they're super vulnerable, their risk should only be increasing. And my point is it's continued that way, right? Then make sure you see that the risk for every category of injection is higher, including the booster, compared to uninjected. 413 cases on average, that's the average breakdown of the risk. 314 cases per 100,000 for the boosted. 314 for the uninjected. 
613 cases per 100,000 for the two dose, 314 per 100,000 for the uninjected. That's an undeniable picture, is it not? That is a pandemic of the injected because they're the ones telling you that transmission and people catching and spreading it are what create the variants. But their whole thing was in the beginning, it was all the uninjected doing it. Well, now that's not true. And now they're proving that inadvertently. We can see as 80% of the cases and 70% in the United States and all the places we're seeing right now are the injected. They're just going, but they're not going to, it's not hurting them though. It's just lower and the symptoms are low, but they're still spreading it. Fauci told you they have a higher, uh, higher level of, of uh, viral load in their, in their, in their uh, nasal cavity, right? They have higher virus to be able to spread. They're spreading it more than anybody. They're catching it more than anybody. And you are going to pretend like that makes sense. That's not a higher proportion. It's the majority. That's not what they keep trying to pretend. And you won't hear them say the majority. You won't hear them argue that it makes sense that the majority of hospitalizations and deaths are in the injected. They won't say that because it's not true. That does not make sense. Now, going to the hospitalizations. Oh, and I wanted to point this out. Here's what they keep doing. Down here it goes, dose one, dose two per populations include individuals who have exceeded the recommended dose schedule and may be subject to vaccine waning. Right. So now you're using the failure of your own product to suggest that that's why we shouldn't factor this in. That's exactly why we should factor it in. It's not working. Right. So if they've got two doses and they're hurting and they're being hurt because they haven't gotten a third, that's a failure. That's not because, well, you didn't do the third. The third was never promised. They, this started with one, then became two, then became three. The idea that that makes sense is irrational. They're just, they're pointing to their own failure as if that justifies why we shouldn't pay attention to the exploding risk and the, what moments ago was the fully in fact, fully vaccinated category. Then of course, the same point, you should not use this as a measure to measure it for exactly what it shows you. But next one, hospitalization. And here's my point about this green. Maybe I'm, I looked all the way through this and I can't seem to find any indication of what that means. So ultimately, what that would tell me is that they're just going, look at it, like, so, like, see, we're right. And that's what the, you look at this only because that's the only thing that matters. That's how I take it. Unless, I mean, if there's, there's some kind of a, 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 a shoot, I'm not forgetting about the map symbol thing, a, a, that's driving me crazy. You know, the little part of the map that tells you what things mean. I don't know why I'm forgetting that term. But, you know, if there was somewhere in this that explained what the green part meant and it was meant to meant the, like, remember when they put the, the, grayed out part on the UK data, right? That was supposed to mean that it was, you know, uncertain or whatever. Well, there's nothing like that that explains this. I think it's pretty clear that what they're trying to do is only focus here. That's the only thing that matters. And it really doesn't because of how they're manipulating this verifiably. Now for, again, what you should look at right away is that the numbers, the majority of the problem of hospitalizations are happening aggressively on the side of the boosted. Look at this, 151 for the uninjected in that first week compared to 537. Again, we're looking at like five times the amount. That's crazy. That, is, that in and of itself challenges the narrative. It, how can you have a five times the amount if you're, tell, if, if, you're, if you're only, I mean, right now, what, 50 versus what, 20 something percent of the population? That's not a five times increase. These things don't add up. But then they point to the permanent thousand, and that's how they're making their argument right now by going, but look, the risk is lower. Okay, why aren't we talking about cases then? Right? Because they know that it shows you the opposite and they don't want you to see it. And that matters. But in every category, or actually, and this is my point about weirdly enough, and this is where I go back to the other one from before. I think this was just last week. Yeah, here's the last week from la the last one. 
comparing the one from before, what's strange to me is we continue to see this pattern of one dose having this weird, incredibly low information compared to the unvaccinated, and then it spikes up really hard for two doses, right? Now, this, what you're seeing here is the problem from three doses bumped into two, and because that's where we're seeing a lot of these problems, and then you have the majority of that massive spike in one being dumped into unvaccinated, which creates this weird, uncertain pattern. Where were we? Okay, so here we are. And you could see this kickback, right? The, the same point from here, where you can, when if they're knowingly removing 21, the, the, everything from the first 20 days of that first dose, and that's where the majority of the problem is happening in regard to all three categories, and you're dumping that back, well, that's what that's going to look like. You're going to go, wait a minute, we're, there's nothing happening here, even though that seems to be the biggest source of the problem, according to Alberta's data, right? That's where all the problem, that's where everything seems to be happening. That's why they up, they up the information to go pump back over here. That's why this is increasing in number, but the risk seems to be going down, right? That doesn't make sense. Well, same thing over here. When you look at the number, you're like, wow, the boosters are, that seems like a huge number of people in the hospital. But that, that, that number is that high, even though they're dumping these things down in, the, in dose two. Now, let's look at the actual data for hospitalizations. 2,507. Unvaxxed account for only 16% of all the hospitalizations happening in this month time frame. Last month, it was 18%. Month before that, it was a week, I guess a week back. It's, nine, it's 25%. So again, what I'm showing you is that it's going down, right? That does not make sense. Or so if we're looking right here at hospitalizations, 31 per 100,000 is the risk right now for people in Scotland in this last month period. 31 hospitalizations per 100,000 in the uninjected category. What was it last month? 34. What was it before that? 63. It's incre- it's it's on a very clear downwards trend. Now, you're seeing something similar in the injected categories, and I would argue that's simply because what we're dealing with is never is not that dangerous. What we're seeing though is a, a spike in the problems from these injections that we're causing, and a lot of that now is being completely disregarded in regard to COVID-19, right? So before you were having a lot of these problems that were being diagnosed as COVID. Now suddenly they're going, oh, it's, it's long haul or, oh, it's, it's something else. So you have a heart attack or a stroke. We're not even going to count that anymore. That's not being included because they're not associating it with COVID. So you're seeing this decrease of all these problems that were moments ago being tied to COVID. But overall, their risk is fluctuating and in many cases going up. But the point still is the same. How in the world does it make sense with their narrative that the uninjected are steadily decreasing their risk. No, there, there's no logic if you actually listen to their narrative. But 84% of the entire vaccinated category of hospitals, hospital, excuse me, hospitalizations in category, geez, I can't talk right now. 84% of the hospitalizations are in the fully injected. 84%. Then you can see the risk in this case for one is slightly lower. That's including the moving of that data. And that same point up here, by the way, right? That this this is higher risk, even though they're moving the data down to unvaccinated from you know and, and every other one. But then you go up to the next two dose, which used to be fully injected moments ago, and that's a higher risk, 36. Now, yes, based on what they're showing you, the risk is they're claiming 9.6 hospitalizations per 100,000. But that's after they kick this down. And that's why this, you know, you can see how this works. But if you look at the percentages, fully injected accounts for 22% of all the hospitalizations, boosted by itself, despite the apparent low risk, accounts for 57% of all the hospitalizations. 
See, that doesn't add up to me. And, we're, and regardless of the, the population we're pointing at, this looks like this because of how they're playing with this data and they're dumping this stuff down. Now, I'm going to show you something after this from the Oxford calculator that also makes a great point about how they're playing this game and who they test and when they test and how they do it. But I'm telling you, this is, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. They're kicking this stuff down from all of them. I just lost where I was. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Okay. So deaths after that. And again, I'm telling you this, mark my words, as we see this either just completely fall apart, they stop doing it, or so, something's going to change in regard to this because these numbers, either we're going to see the third dose at data grow and they're honest with us about it, or we're going to see for weird reasons or obvious reasons I explained, but they'll pretend it's un, they don't know why, that you're going to see the two dose category go wildly high and same with the uninjected category because they're going to just keep shuffling these things down. That's how I, that's, I mean, that's not my opinion. That's happening. But that's why I think we're seeing this weird different, the breakdown of the data this way. But going to the deaths to finish, same exact point. This very low, weird drop for the one dose category, despite the explosion that happens in that time period, makes no sense unless they're dumping those down, which we know they are, right? And then again, so let's just take this one week, 12 deaths for in January 1st, January 7th. Right, that's right. I'm just making sure. Oh, wait a minute. Why am oh wait? Am I making sure I'm not looking at the wrong report here? January first to January twenty eighth. Hmm. Okay, so it definitely doesn't have the green on here. What am I missing here? Did they literally just repost the same dates? I mean, this is that. I mean, guys, if I'm just catching that now, I'm actually surprised because I've seen them do this before. Okay, what? Look, it, let me follow. Give me a second to make sure we're not making this making a mistake here. January first, January twenty eighth. This is the one from. T this is today's report. Here, forty three. You can see right here, seventh, February 9th. Okay, this one, page fifty four. Yeah, what the? Okay, did they literally just repost this stuff? I mean, this, this wouldn't spring. This is pretty crazy. Here's the hospitalizations. Maybe I did miss something here. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like the hospitalizations, for whatever reason, they just dumped in the data. Like, guys, this is crazy. I'm surprised I missed this. So it's only hospitalizations, it looks like. Just so we're clear, January 1st to January 28th was the exact time frame. From the last report, and here we are looking at this report of today, which I just showed you the date, and yet it says the same date breakdown. This one's correct, 4th of February, but hospitalizations, yeah, look at that, oh wait, deaths, that's what it was. Yeah, look at that. Wow, I can't believe that's happening. Like just, I mean, on, on an entire category like that, like we're not going to, look at that, January 1st to January 28th. Okay, here's why. I'm glad I caught this in real time. Okay, I take it back. It wasn't for whatever reason. Now, here's a point to, to add here, guys. This is also, what, what's the logic of how, let me explain here. The death category we're looking at for those in the podcast, 
is apparently one week back, right? So this is the old report, and it shows it's from December 25th to January 21st, but you go in the same report up to the other category, but this one is from January 1st to January 28th. That's what confused me, because here we are in this report from the death side of it, and it's the same old one from 1 to 28. Why would you keep the deaths an entire month behind it? You know, I mean, guys, that's an unscientific, illogical, re- just manipulation of data. And all I think it's doing is keeping them a, a, a month behind having to report what's happening with the deaths. Look at that. Like my point in all this is they're just subjective points. There's no reason to move from 14 to 21 days. There's no reason to have this one month behind every other report. Good God. That's just crazy to me. Anyway, sorry I had to do that because I, I only just caught that. Anyway, so going back to the point, we could see that the breakdown for the deaths here shortens in the next one to dose, then explodes in dose two. And then, by the way, again, is higher than any other category in the boosted, which doesn't make sense to me. But going going to the reports and the information, we do. I almost actually closed that. Let me save this real quick. So 429 deaths in this month period, only 14% are uninjected, 86%, which has been pretty damn consistent across this, but only increasing in the fully injected. The risk per 100,000 for the uninjected is 9.3 per 100,000. It looks lower in the, in the boot, in the one dose, despite that weird manipulation, which is why, or in, in because of it, two doses, it jumps all the way up to 14.3. Why? Because it's, in my opinion, taking all the problematic risks that are happening in the booster shot. Fully boosted accounts for 55.4% of all of the deaths. The deaths. 50% of the deaths, 50% of the hospitalizations, and over 50% of the cases and over 50% every category are in just the boosted. But yeah, this is the thing that's making it all work, right? 27% fully injected. There's no misunderstanding this stuff, guys. And that's why we're still showing you the UK report, which we're going to get to in the next couple of days. That's continuing to show you the explosion. And it's comparing three doses versus one, just like the Scotland data in regard to cases. Which is that that is the pandemic of the injected. And even when they manipulated the data, still higher with the risk and the majority. That's crazy. The majority being almost five times what they're seeing. Pretty crazy. There's no way to misunderstand this, guys. I think that's pretty obvious. And all they're doing is playing these games. And hopefully you can share this stuff with people to get them to understand what we're looking at here. And why they're making these choices. And to add to that point to what he pointed out from Jessica Rose's work, who you should be following, this is the breakdown of the information that we're showing on this that they accidentally released. And when you move from 14 to 21 days, as many of you have already seen, just this is just deaths in Alberta. Well, 50, 55% of all the deaths after that first dose happened within that 14-day period. 55%, which gets dumped into unvaccinated. There's nothing honest about that. But especially since they're going to pretend that that 55% number is just randomly happening because of other things, which that makes no sense when it's that concentrated. But move it to 21 days, which is what Scotland did, it becomes 70% of the total, 70%. And even though they're doing that, you still have this picture where the risk is still higher, booster included to the uninjected. That's crazy. And then look at the number breakdowns. I mean, guys, this is very, very clear. Now, here is the Oxford calculator which I was going to do once really quickly to show you guys again how this works. Oh, here, go back to the homepage here. Start calculation. Do you have a COVID vaccination? No. We should add that and see what the, how it differs, but I'm doing the same thing. 19, 
fail, just, you know, just kind of a general idea here. I forget what I did here. I think it was 140. I think it was, what was it? Shoot, was it 60? Forget the breakdown there. There it was. That's that's over. I'm like, that's probably like 50 pounds over me. So 90 kilograms versus 200 seems average. And I'll leave the postcode blank. Neither, neither, not nursing home, I don't have diabetes, don't have, so the point is we're not sickly, we don't have comorbidities, That which, you know, this is the what we should be framing it as, the average person who doesn't have these illnesses, as we've shown you before. Just so you can see, it's the same page I'm looking at that I already had up, right there. As I showed you before, the risk of people dying from COVID-19, 19 years old and under, and it, it only, your, your chances only get better after that. One in a million. And I always think this is so, it's almost humorous to me because one in a million is something we jokingly say, like it's me. It literally means it's impossible when we go one, it's like I'm one in a million. And yet that's what we're telling people that these children we're forcing masks on, that we're forcing to take injections, that we're now trying to emergency authorize, even though we're rolling back the emergency, because that totally makes sense, right? Fauci's telling us, no, we're not in that bad time anymore, but we're going to emergency authorize all these new injections though, because that makes sense. That's happening right now contradictory everywhere, but we're rolling it back, forcing it on these kids anyway. And yet they have a one in a million chance of dying. Now, risk of catching and being admitted to the hospital even is one in 25,000, actually 0.02%, way less than the flu, right? Okay. Well, here's the point that I caught that I'm surprised they added this. This is Oxford calculator for COVID-19 risk adding all I saw before was this one. They added two categories. Let me highlight so I can make it clear. They added risk of catching and being admitted to the hospital with COVID following a test. That's an interesting thing to add, which almost seems to suggest they're aware of how these tests are inaccurate, right? Why would the risk be different? Same thing here. Risk of dying, oops, risk of dying from COVID following a test. Now look at the difference. Okay, so the bottom line is your risk of catching COVID and then going to the hospital is 0.02%. But at some point in that process, if you got a test beforehand, your risk immediately jumps to 0.4%. Guys, that is a, I mean, this is huge to my opinion. This is showing us in real time the obvious manipulation. Why would getting a test before getting COVID increase your risk by, what is that? I mean, thousands of percent. That's crazy. Here's the other part. Your risk of dying from COVID is 0.002%. But if you just happen to have gotten tested before that happens, your risk jumps up to 1.1%. 0.1% from 0.002%. One, it goes from one in a million to one in 8,000. <laughs> just because you happen to have got a positive test. That's the only difference they're inside inserting right there. Both of them are people t- saying that they have, that or both of them are, are verifiable COVID, they claim. And both are people that are catching it. All of them are under 19 based on this metric. But all the difference is, is simply having a positive test in the mix and your risk exponentially increases. Do you not know what that shows you? Do you see what that shows you? It shows you that the test is the illusion. The test is what is creating the illusion. Anything that happens to anybody after this is being added to things. People that got the test get the injections. It changes how they report it. People that don't get tests because they have the injection. I mean, this is crazy obvious. People that get sick or have the injection rather after all of this, they're, they're factoring that into this discussion. We just saw it in the reports they're giving. 
I don't know why, regardless of any of this, why one in a million or even one in 25,000, 0.03% of even being hospitalized, why we're forced, why, I mean, if you don't see why this is criminal to force this on children right now, I, you're not paying attention or you're just refusing to acknowledge what's right in front of you. But go get a test and then you'll be in the hospital tomorrow, apparently. The risk is obvious. And if you don't get your shots after three months, then you're going to, it's going to continue to get more sick is what the data shows you. And that's why they're trying to rush this out, in my opinion. And this backs it up as well, that it's going to wane. And that's where we're going. It's obvious to me. Oh, I just want to include this, by the way, before we wrap up with this last point, that I just talked about this and I actually didn't even see the full video of this. I, I, I had thought that this was a passing point for me. I just, someone just kind of threw it at me right before my show. And I was like, oh, I'll include that and show one of these people that got something happened afterward. Right. But I didn't, I'm sure you guys have all seen this since I talked about this as well. Cause it's all over. This woman was live on uh, in, do, giving a, a stand up at it, the improv. And she's the one that I read where she says, I got the booster, I got the shots, I got all this, I did that. And, and if you didn't see this, she then seconds later literally collapses on the stage. But yeah, nothing's happening though, right guys? Watch this. I don't care, but I want you to know, double vaxxed, booster, flu shot, and I'm going to be honest, I have the shingle shot too. Yeah, my point was all of which is wildly un, 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 un they don't have any science to back up that that's safe. And their own data continues to say that we don't know if that's safe, but they keep pushing it on people like her and watch what happens. And I mean, I shouldn't say that. That's my opinion, but watch anyway. And I still get my period. What? Yes. Traveled, went to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets, never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. <laughs> So nice. So nice. Now, just so you know, that was real. And I mean, you can see right in these videos where she's over here talking about it. The sad part is they all thought that was part of the show, right? Because she was literally making fun of that. And then she passes out. I mean, you almost, you, I mean, this is one of the best possible places to say you can't make this stuff up. I mean, that is just crazy to me. But, but apparently it's all coincidence, guys. Don't, don't trust your lying eyes, right? Uh, th- I mean, that's crazy, guys. Oh, and somebody's saying she fractured her skull. I mean, I, I feel bad for her because she thought she did the right thing or whatever else you want to say. It's sad people like this are being manipulated and still probably don't even realize what actually happened, in my opinion. But to finish off here, I just want to make one lasting point, one last point here from this, great, this Zero Hedge article. Pfizer quietly adds language warning that, quote, unfavorable preclinical, clinical, or safety data may impact business. Uh-oh, kind of seems like they're expecting things to come out. Maybe those reports that they were hoping to put out in 2027 or 70, 2076 and are now being forced to release and are being and clearly watching the narrative fall apart and trying to get ahead of it. I don't know, but it says two weeks ago, the FDA begged a Texas judge to delay production of the first monthly batch of 55,000 pages, and we've talked about this, of the vaccine data they're supposed to be giving, that the fact that they're holding it back from us should be a criminal act as they force us on people, but no one seems to care than the mainstream. Originally, the agency was set to produce just 500 pages per month. 
Now, Pfizer, which just forecasted $54 billion in COVID-related sales in 2022, which is a sharp decrease, appears to be anticipating some bad news, as evidenced by a several redline changes in their Q4 earning releases. As Rubicon Capital's Kelly Brown notes on Twitter, the changes center around disclosures of unfavorable safety data. For example, in Q4, they added, quote, or further information regarding the quality of preclinical, clinical or safety data including by audit or inspection. Preclinical. Hmm. Who was it that was calling out that preclinical data and exposing that they didn't do it properly or they were being, you know, hiding and manipulating things? And yeah, that's right. That data that they all acted like she was a crazy, I mean, Brooke Jackson, guys. This is exactly, they're writing down what she said was happening and they're still calling her a conspiracy theorist. More from Brown, who notes the Pfizer is now highlighting concerns about clinical data integrity. I mean, that's exactly what she was pointing at. The integrity of the data. And that's all we were calling out. And they are admitting it right now. And it says the company also notes that COVID-19 may, quote, diminish in severity or prevalence or disappear entirely. Yeah. Greatest in a century. We're all going to die. But it's all disappearing in front of you as we're rolling back the narrative, but keeping the infrastructure and forcing injections anyway. Here's the actual tweet you can look at and you can see the information for yourself. I mean, this it's pretty crazy or further information regarding the quality of preclinical data, right? Preclinical, the analysis of existing preclinical or safety data, telling you that these things are going to cause problems for them, guys, that we're analyzing their data. Think about that. The ability to produce comparable clinical or other results, meaning that these things have been manipulated or that they got them wrong. This is a big deal. But of course, the media is not going to touch it. Now you can, there's a bunch more you can read on here. I think the important point is the data concerns about clinical data integrity. Guys, I can't believe that they're even saying this right now. Please watch this interview with Brooke Jackson. Brooke Jackson interview, Pfizer whistleblower exposes cover-up calling vaccine data into question. Certainly seems relevant today, doesn't it? Well, guys, I think it's pretty damn clear that we have broken through this, that they are aware of that, and that they are desperately trying to keep that from people's view. Doesn't mean that this is over, that we won, that, you know, whatever, because I promise you they had a thousand different directions already in mind when kind of, you know, this might have happened. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be very proud of our efforts and the fact that we've been fighting for people that aren't fighting for us and that we've continued to show integrity. I'm talking about all, everybody that's on this movement, not just TLAV. Anybody out there that has stuck their stuck to their guns, continue to fight for this stuff and are now being vindicated. You deserve respect for that. Because it has been a hard road of people that have been attacking you personally because of what you chose to, because you stood by your work and you're being shown to be correct. But they're not going to stop. And we know that by now. I'm really looking forward to my interview with Catherine Austin Fitz in the beginning of March, because we're going to dive into this deep and find out what we think is really happening and where this might be going, this whole rollback. I'll leave it there for you guys today. I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow, but I will be getting another show up coming up soon and I will be including the stuff that I, oh, that was the other point that I was going to say today that the two things I was going to include today that I had to shove off at the last minute was the follow-up on the HIV documentary that somebody found and sent to me. Great job, you guys, for finding that on Odyssey and and turns out there's some interesting stuff in there that we're going to talk about as well as the the World Economic Forum conversation. Somebody did send me what people were referencing that does say you'll be happy or you will own nothing and be happy. But it's a little bit different than what we were talking about. We'll go into it tomorrow in regard to how it's, it's you know, I, I was incorrect. I didn't see that. And I'll say that very clearly. I didn't see that. But it's in a video on a slide at the end when they're rattling off these things. So fair enough. You can quote it as W World Economic Forum 
I mean, we'll get into it tomorrow, but the bottom line is it's not as clear cut as as we were making it out to be, or who the person in the chat was making out to be. There's more in the middle of that, but I still want to make that point tomorrow about why it's important that we are, that we're very accurate about this stuff. And it wasn't just about the quote it's that, that I thought was incorrect. It's about how it's being attributed to Klaus Schwab or how this is the world economic forum plan and so on, right? That we need, we need to be better than that because they will then go, that's not what their plan is. They were just talking about that in a, in a think tank or, you know, whatever. And it's important that we're, you know, in myself included guys, I make mistakes like anybody can, but it's all about how we continue to better ourselves, right? What do we say every time? Be better than, be better. Simple as that, right? Be better. Because they will continue to try to drag you down. And when I say be better, I'm talking about in regard to the mainstream media, the government and their, you know, false stance of integrity and morals. And while they literally step all over them and you included, be better than that. We are better than that. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men bound to care, blinded by the promises, unknowingly sold despair. So leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends. That you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, cause it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? The revolution. Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time.
time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. Cause it's become destructive to its own ends. The world that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for The revolution The revolution Revolutions now It's happening all around you If you cannot see then Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare To arm your fellow man They've become destructive To their own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are they ready for Are they ready for Are they ready for 